You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Meet you yet. My name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. And it's just go- so good to be with all of you here in person on the patio. Those of you joining us on Zoom, we're one community joining in a few different formats here together. So just know that you are so welcome here at City Church where we are trying our best to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. Uh, For those of you who've been around a little while, you know that often I am joined here on Sunday morning by my co-pastor Bill White, uh, who we often describe ourselves as I'm the quiet pastor and he is the loud pastor. Loud pastor is out again today. He is actually at a city uh, sister church of ours up in LA preaching there uh, as their, their pastor is on a sabbatical. So Bill is helping out uh, with a, a sermon, a message this morning up in LA. So we will, we will miss him and yet hopefully we'll have a great morning here together as well. I don't know about all of you, uh, but I just have this sense that there's a lot There's a lot going on right now. Um, Lots of transition in the air. I know there are college kids moving back and some of us are teachers and either you're getting classrooms ready or you've already invited teachers, uh, invited students in. There are kids in our midst who are either back at school or man, it's coming close. And so we really wanna pray uh, just a special special prayer over our kids this morning. Uh, Our friend Jason is gonna pray for our kids before we let them, yeah, come on up Jason before we let them go and have fun with their teachers for this morning. Here you go. Thanks, Brenda. Uh, Let's pray together. Lord, we acknowledge um, that your church is a family with uh, the elderly and with, with our kiddos and everything in between. We give you thanks for, for this dynamic and for what the the beauty and challenges um, that exist within uh, growth and development. And we pray a special uh, blessing of protection on, on our kids. Um, thank you for the privilege that we have to, to teach them uh, weekly, Sunday mornings, and this special time uh, where your protection would be on them in their growth and development. We pray that you would unite our work and labors with your own to draw them closer to your love. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jason. Hey, kids, you are going to have some adults over here who want to take you out and have fun if you would like to. We always have nursery available even before service starts for our zero to three-year-olds, then this kid men time uh, for four. Again, I'm sorry, I keep getting confused by the microphones. I'm wearing one. I have to remember that. (laughs) So I'm not like double duty. Um, uh, but yeah, we have Kidmen for you know our four, four-year-olds up through like fifth grade, and we've actually been experimenting a little bit with youth and a youth group. I want to make it very clear to everyone: we're experimenting. We don't know what we're doing yet. You know, we just thought we'd try a few things and see what might work. Uh, but yeah, we're so grateful for our kids and all those who regularly are just making efforts to love on them. Well, this morning. Uh, I am so excited that I get to preach with my friend Dottie Olson. If Dottie wants to come up, woohoo! Um, 
And Dottie uh, is here as a pastoral resident. She is discerning exactly what she's going to do with her future. But for any of you who have gotten to know Dottie, she's just amazing. So full of talent, but more than that, just an awesome person. Um, and we're excited. We get to preach together. Yeah. And we're kind of wrapping up a sermon series this summer that has been all about rest and how God invites us into rest. Um, and so we're going to practice that next Sunday. Just a little, I'm, I'll remind you again at the end, but we are going to practice it next Sunday because we're going to go rest and play together on the beach next Sunday, right? So we're not going to be in here because worshiping God, being together, community, that can look all sorts of different ways. It does not have to be confined to sort of like a formal kind of meeting space. So next week, beach day. Yes. Looking forward to that. But this is like our last time um, to really just reflect a little bit more deeply because the beach will have some, some benefits and some challenges in terms of talking with each other. Uh, and so we're really thinking of this Sunday as sort of being the wrap-up in a lot of ways uh, to this, this series focusing on rest and renewal and, and refocus. And, and so we would love to feel like you can actually come out of today with a little bit of, okay, especially in this change of season, you know, uh, the summer's wrapping up, we're moving into the fall. Often, uh, especially if we have any contact with the school system or other people who are involved in the school system, I mean, there's just kind of a built-in, like a feeling of like, okay, summer playtime, fall, life goes back to normal a little bit more, right? What does it look like to still move in to this new season, taking in some more patterns and commitments and practices of rest and renewal. And this morning, we also want to bring especially a little bit more clarity thinking about, okay, what if this conversation is not just about, like, us, like, not just you there as a person individually think, like, how is God inviting me into rest, but how is God inviting all of us communally into rest, including those who are are further away from the center of power. Sometimes when Bill and I uh, are talking about sermons and, and how we communicate ideas, we have this little, it's kind of like a code, you know, little, those little phrases that you have to kind of remind each other. Like, and, and one of them is, are we thinking about the in and the out? Because it can be very easy for preachers to get up and, and only focus on people who are sort of like, sort of in the inner circle, which are closer to the center of power. People who maybe have like a lot of privilege and choice around what rest might look like in their lives, right? Um, so people who can just say, oh yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm working so hard because of money, but if I just decided to, I could take a day of rest. I could just do that. That might be someone who's the in, right? Versus someone who has been pushed more to the margins, away from the center of powers where just making that kind of choice might be a lot harder because their family depends on the three jobs that they're working, yeah. right? Um, and, and so are we, as we've been talking about rest and renewal, are we looking at both the in and the out and how God is speaking not just to us individually and saying, yes, I want to bring rest to you and your life and your soul, but actually how, how is God talking to us communally and how might he be inviting us into the rest and renewal of our neighbors as well? 
So that's kind of the direction that so we're taking. Good. Anything yeah. you want to add? No. No? This is great. Ooh. So good to talk about the in and out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and we love this Jesus story that we are going to get to read together. Uh, and our friend Eva is going to read for us, maybe with a, a special guest in her arms, which we love too. Yay. So would you welcome Eva? Oh. And here at City Church, we love to stand for the reading of God's word. Just a little bit of saying, like, we actually think there's something special here. Do you want me to hold this for you? Because I could do that. Right. Yeah? I think I could do it. Okay. All right. Multitasking. <clears throat> One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads to grain of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his company, companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the son of man, the human one, is Lord even over the Sabbath. People of God, this is the word of God. Thank you so much, Eva. That was amazing. Thank you, Eva. Oh, uh, many of us have seen this little one grow up and Eva during pregnancy to now having a baby and it's just so sweet to <laughs> see him so up good. here, little Julian. So, all right. Thank you for that great introduction, Brenna. Yeah. And thanks, Eva. We are talking about this, this piece of scripture in the Gospel of Mark. And before we dive into it, I want to just give a little bit of context about the author and, and this book that, that we're going to be reading from. So the Gospel of Mark is written around 70, 75 CE, and it's written by this author to an audience in kind of what some scholars call a post-war time. So the audience has experienced a ton of oppression, a ton of tribulation, and this is well after the death of Jesus that the author is actually writing. And the author is, is writing to an audience that is, has experienced, yeah, a ton, a ton of tribulation and is really wrestling with what is this Jesus thing, right? Mm -hmm. so, so the author is doing his best <laughs> to re-inscribe hope in Jesus and also juxtapose the Jesus message with the message of oppression and imperialism of the Roman Empire. So that's kind of the landscape that we are entering in. So when we enter into this story, that's, that's kind of what the audience is dealing with and what the writer is, is trying to grasp. So the story is in Mark 2. And, and it's a story where we're introduced to Jesus is walking through the fields with his disciples and they are harvesting food to eat. And Pharisees or Jewish teachers come up and say, hey, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath, you're breaking, you're breaking the law. And, and Jesus responds and, and goes, no, no, actually remember in, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, David did something similar um, and kind of, says, no, the Sabbath is, is for us. Um, 
And we're going we're gonna to talk about Sabbath, a little bit of the history of Sabbath, and, and we're going to chat about what Jesus was saying in this context. And before we do that, as we've been diving into this and wrestling with this, we both have learned about this complicated history of Christianity and Sabbath mm-hmm. uh, with anti-Semitism. So, mm-hmm. and I've been learning a lot in this process of yeah. preparing. Um, that, yeah, in the early years of Christianity, one of the ways that anti-Semitism was expressed with this anti-Jewish uh, rhetoric was, was actually disassociating from Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So Christians have a really complicated, our Christian tradition has a complicated um, relationship with Sabbath. Uh, and so as we approach this, uh, I am borrowing some language that Brenna's used, is that we're using Jesus as our lens Um, to think about Sabbath. But what's really amazing about this story is that Jesus isn't overriding Mm -hmm. Sabbath, but Jesus is remembering his Jewish tradition Mm -hmm. and reclaiming his Jewish tradition. So I hope that we don't walk away. Sometimes when Pharisees are mentioned in text, we can walk away and go, oh, the, you know, the legalistic Jewish rhetoric, but that's actually not, not what's happening here. Instead, Jesus is diving deeper into his Jewish tradition, diving deeper and going, no, there's remember, remember in the Hebrew scripture, Mm -hmm. let's reclaim this. Mm -hmm. And one of the phrases that Jesus uses to describe himself is the son of man, which we've Mm -hmm. shared at City Church before, can also be interpreted as the human one. And this term, the son of man, is used in the Old Testament as well to describe other people. It's this, this signal of something. He has this wisdom, this spiritual wisdom for the community. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to use my lens to reclaim our tradition and, and to, to bring us in that there's something really rich about Sabbath that's being missed, mm-hmm. and we need to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. And it really centers around this anti-oppression, right? Mark is writing to a people that have experienced tremendous hardship. And Jesus' word is a good word that is anti-empire, anti-oppression, and it's reclaiming the meaning of Sabbath. So Brenna's about to chat a little bit more about what does that mean? What does, yeah, take us into what does it mean to Jesus to have this Sabbath being yeah. anti-empire or anti-oppression or what was it, what was going on for him? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like for us, like as we were talking this week and then what's going on here and what do we want to talk about? Like that, that insight that you really brought in from some of the work and study you've done of like thinking about the context that this was a word spoken to a people who were being oppressed. This was a word spoken to people who were the out, mm-hmm. right? They weren't comfortable. They were struggling. They were, they were feeling oppressed. Like that was, that was such a key insight to really kind of go like, yeah, like this is, it, it's not that this doesn't have a word for those of us who are more on the in, right, who are more the Pharisees, but but there is this tendency um, amongst us as as American type Christians sometimes that we have to do some work to discern: are we the the people in the story who are being oppressed, or are we the oppressors, mm-hmm. or a little bit of both, right? Because sometimes it depends on our context, yeah. right? That there are layers in all of us. There are, there are places, there are elements, threads in our life where we experience oppression. And there are places in our lives where we experience privilege. 
which one are we operating in and what word is God speaking to us like in that particular area? But that was such a great insight that I appreciated you bringing in. Because yeah, that is what we see happening in this passage. Let's focus on verse 27 for just a minute, um, which like when I read it, like if you just read it out loud, I'm like, this would be like such an amazing slogan. Like if we were gonna like have like a freedom march for Sabbath, this is like what would be on all the banners that are flying. This is it, it's quotable. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You have the sense that, hey, this, this institution, this system of Sabbath, which is this regular weekly rhythm of rest, it was made for, for people. It was made to be this loving gift, this sign and this symbol and this, this practice that you get to live into that says you are more than just what you do. You all are more than just what you do. You don't have to produce to be worthy. You don't have to show that you fit here and you belong. You just are. You're just welcome. You're just you're a human being, not a human doing, right? As like sometimes gets put on t-shirts and stuff. So, so the sense of it's the needs of the people. That's what matters. That's what being, you're being invited into. Um, and and I really think in some ways, like as we were first talking, it was like, yeah, that is the thing coming out of this summer that I feel like a lot of us are still wrestling with, mm -hmm. like to really believe that that's true, that your needs matter, that you're being given Sabbath and rest as a gift. Um, so many conversations I've had, even just in the last couple weeks, and, and just to start talking about Sabbath and rest, like, Shame immediately wipes over people's faces. Well, I don't really Sabbath. I don't really have a rhythm. Like, and you go like, oh, but I wasn't trying to like induce shame. It, you know, it was meant as an, an invitation. But it becomes this, this list of shoulds. Shoulds always kill us when we get shoulded on, right? When we should on ourselves. Like it just, I mean, I always, and I know I used this last week too, but I'm just, I have a, a, a history of, you know, a complicated relationship with food, um, which has sometimes, you know, involved diet culture and, and, again, those lists of shoulds. And it's just so easy to turn something delicious like salad into a should and then it's horrible, <laughs> right? Sabbath turns into a horrible dry salad when it could be like delicious chocolate cake. It could be, but we make it a should and it's just, it's not anymore right and it's a gift that as Dottie was saying like it it's it's not a new thing in some ways it was it was a thing that it's an ancient Jewish rhythm there are all sorts of ancient Jewish rhythms of rest that God gave as gifts to his people gift here's one some of you may have seen before and for some of you this might be new I mean we already know okay we have the daily rhythm of rest you get to sleep you get to sleep. God gives sleep to those he loves. That's an actual verse in the Bible. The fact that you get to sleep and rest is a sign of God's love for you. Weekly Sabbath, 
as a sign of rest. Here's another one about every seventh year. In Exodus 23, verses 10 and 11, God says to his people, for six years you're to sow your, sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Stop working the land on the seventh year, every seventh year, don't use it. All sorts of interesting, I mean, now we'd have like science for why that might be a good idea. But here's what God gives us the rationale in Exodus 23. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what's left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. And your olive grove. There's this sense of like a holistic picture of flourishing that rest isn't just for you. Rest is for all the people around you. Rest is for the whole of creation. Everybody needs rest. And then the pattern is actually repeated every seven times seven years. We call that the year of Jubilee. It's another pattern. All of these patterns where God is saying, you have to be intentional about rest. It's my gift to you. I invite you to regularly stop, pause, be, and it's good for you, but it's going to be good for your community. This is actually the way of justice. So I was just thinking, you know, we're not very good at receiving this gift, right? Again, that, that wave of shame, shooting on ourselves. Um, we're, just, we're just not that good at it. And part of the problem, I think, the thing that one of the dynamics that shifts us over into the spirit of the oppressor, those who are, who are oh, Sabbath, and Sabbath is a system that dominates, doesn't bring life, mm-hmm. doesn't bring flourishing. Part of, I think, what shifts us over there is the fact that we ourselves have not allowed our, like, in our own souls to experience rest. So it's not just about us, but if we haven't paid attention to our own need for rest, if we haven't actually allowed ourselves to experience it, we're going to have a harder time championing it for others, right? So I was thinking of this, um, this time in my life. It was, I mean, probably at least 10 years ago maybe. Uh, And I was working in another church, and I was invited into a special project. Um, Invited, guilted, manipulated, whatever word you want to use. Um, You know, and and though I worked at the church, this was going to be a special project because it was just my church, and so of course I would do it, you know, not as work, but as my gift to the church. Um, Which, anyway, that's a whole complicated thing. But it was definitely, it was piling a lot on my plate. It was a very big, special project and special ask. And I was definitely, you know, I was working overtime on it, and my own levels of inner rest and peace were just going down, 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 right? And so I remember one particular day that a deadline was coming up, uh, and I needed to call a volunteer, a lovely, I mean, just this lovely man, in the church. I loved him, loved his wife. They were just the most amazing people. Um, but I needed him to finish a part of the project so that I could meet my deadline. And so I called, and, and I, it was his wife who picked up on the phone, and she told me that I wasn't going to be able to reach him that day because he was playing golf. And, you know, I was nice to her, but inside, <laughs> like, my level of rage, like, just like, poof, how dare he be off playing golf when I was working my butt off, you know, like all this, like, I mean, I was, you know, I have a filter and so it doesn't necessarily come out my mouth, but inside I was just full of rage. 
And then I just had this moment. Uh, you know, sometimes we talk about Kairos moments, these moments where God just like breaks in. Or I just had this moment of clarity. I said like, no, he's doing what you need. <laughs> he's resting. The only reason you're so angry is because you're so tired. Because you need rest. Like, he's not doing something wrong. He's modeling for you what you need. And if I could actually embrace rest for myself, then I could honor it for him. Um, and, you know, in this particular relationship, though, he was older than me and, you know, a few other things. Like, I, I was the church staff person, right? Like, if I wanted to, like, shame him and, like, oh, this is what you need to do for your church, like, I, I could power up on him, right? But instead of having that moment of, like, no, this is, I'm actually invited into rest. He is, he is ministering to me by showing me what it would look like to tend to my own soul. And as I do that, now I can honor his freedom as well. And I actually did that day, like realize I needed to like sign out of my email for like 48 hours. Because if I was going to like hit this and be like getting this angry about a man playing golf, like I clearly needed to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> I was not doing well. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I love that. And what you're, what you're reminding us of is the heart of what Jesus is saying. This verse, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath is reminding us of we have this Sabbath, this, this rhythm of rest in place mm -hmm. so that we can flourish. Yeah. Right? And, and we have to respect that in others and respect it for ourselves. And let's, let's keep diving into, into Sabbath, right? So this is this ancient practice. It's kind of fun anytime we talk about really ancient things because you think about all of the thousands of people that have participated in this, right? So we're drawing from this ancient practice. And, and yeah, and so, so Jesus, back to this, this verse in Mark, Jesus is, is eating the grains from the field and the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did with his companions when they were hungry? So Jesus is, again, is saying, no, I know the scriptures. And this is a really great invitation with Jesus in the New Testament. And like, if you read some of the Jesus narratives, he's He's constantly in this push and pull with the Bible where, where he knows the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like playing with them and, and in this, this mm -hmm. contrast and opposition and also reclaiming of them. So here Jesus is saying, no, I know the Hebrew text and let me tell you what Sabbath actually means. Sabbath, in Jesus' Sabbath, is a Sabbath of compassion, of mercy, of inclusion and of liberation. So Sabbath during this ancient time is one of the most revolutionary things that was happening in the ancient world. And it was the it was the only or maybe like the most official institution that really protected and the terms that I found in some of the studying it is Sabbath Sabbath protected those that were most exploited in society. Mm -hmm. It was the day that like, slaves did not have to work. Mm -hmm. Revolutionary. It was mm -hmm. a system for protection, for safety, and for liberation. So Jesus is saying, no, I actually know this text. I know our ancient tradition. 
And I know that Sabbath is for our needs. It is for the people and it is for liberation. And again, coming back to Brenna, it is a corporate thing. It's communal. Yeah. It's not individualistic. A theologian, uh, Jason Allen Storbacken, uh, writes about Sabbath in ancient Israel. And he says, it might be argued that Sabbath is among the greatest legislated social revolution of the ancient world. It was the only day that designated rest for slaves and foreigners. And as the community entered more deeply into the Sabbath rhythm, more opportunities for liberation were made available. So I'm going to repeat that. As the community, right? Think about it for ourselves. As the community entered more deeply into the Sabbath rhythm, more opportunities for liberation were made available. Mm. So the Sabbath, and I just, I just love stirring up the justice piece, right? <laughs> I'm like, let's, like, so what, good. what about the Sabbath is for us? Like, beyond, and it's beautiful time of like can be individualistic and contemplative and private, but the Sabbath is also corporate. So as we ask City Church, like for our community, what does this mean? As we participate collectively as a group in Sabbath, it means we are in the rhythms of liberation, right? Mm -hmm. That is a good word for Sabbath for our community. Mm. But as we see in this text in Mark, there's a reaction when Jesus is saying, hey, my Sabbath is a Sabbath of compassion, of mercy, of justice, of inclusion, the reaction is, is this pushback. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see often when we create boundaries, right? When we, when we try to protect or create safety, is there's a reaction. It messes up the system. And Jesus is doing this very revolutionary practice that with years behind him, and, and people don't like the way that it's messing it up and the, what, what it implicates. But again, Jesus was in this rhythm of Sabbath, and he's inviting people to reclaim it. And so we're going to take this more practical now. Mm -hmm. So what does, this, what does being in rhythm of Sabbath look like for us? How are power dynamics playing? And Brenna, again, yeah. take us into practically what, what does this mean when Jesus is... Mm -hmm. I'm just asking you all the big mm -hmm. questions. I'm just going to you know, keep I've got it all lofting them yeah, over yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. what does it mean, the Sabbath of of liberation and finding I'm, rhythms. Like I'm rest. just thinking as you're talking and I'm just thinking like, even as you're, you're talking about like, okay, this is what it was meant for. It was revolutionary. And yet by Jesus time, you know, it's now it's, it's been turned into a system. And anytime it feels like it's turned into a system and a set yeah. of rules, it starts to oppress. Like, how do we not do that? How do we not create more systems and rules Sometimes lately I've been thinking of like, how do we just keep having the right conversations? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we keep having more of the values in mind and sort of some of the, hey, here are some of the tensions we're going to be playing with, yeah. right? You know, that like, hey, we value rest for each other. And just to constantly keep coming back to that, we value liberation. We value communal wholeness and communal flourishing, not just one of us flourishing, but all of us flourishing mm -hmm. together. And just continually say, like, so are we living into that? Yeah. And maybe that thing was working then, but now it's not. I mean, okay, so Sabbath, at a certain point, some of you probably know this, right? But there were, like, whole communities, states probably, uh, in the United States that had Sabbath laws, right? 
certain companies, most of them, weren't allowed to be open on Sundays. And even in places where you didn't necessarily have that as law, maybe it was practice. Uh, there are certain corporations, businesses, restaurants today that aren't open on Sundays, and we'll do that as a matter of principle and practice. And there's a way in which we can say, yeah, that's good, because that was legalistic, right? It was legalism, that you couldn't do anything but like sit at your house on Sundays. Weirdly, though, it can also be an issue of justice because it meant like everybody got at least one day a week yeah. to just be, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's the conversation that comes up now in terms of holidays sometimes in the sense of like, why are all of these places often with kind of lower income workers open on Thanksgiving as an example, right? Yeah. Thanksgiving should be a day that people have to gather with their family and friends and rest and restore. Like this is actually yeah. potentially a justice issue. Um, in France, I think this is so interesting, they actually have laws in the books about not emailing people outside of work hours. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get sued if you email outside of work hours, yeah. right? Because when you do that, you're signaling to people that they should be working, right? You sent them an email at 6 a.m., does it signal to them that they should also be working at 6 a.m.? I think this is really interesting because I'm an early bird and I just have weird work hours. I'm like, oh shoot, I wouldn't want to single that, but I do sometimes forget and I email people at 6 a.m. Oops, right? Like, am I, as I do that, am I actually working against their rest and their wholeness and their flourishing? So it seems like the conversation, again, like comes down a little bit to like the in and the out. So that when we think about those who are more on the in, you have more power. Well, what's our responsibility with that? Like even like Bill and I so often, like when we think about like, you know, while it's city church and we're pretty relaxed, like we we just know like sometimes people have histories with pastors and, and there's an element of like we have to be aware that anything that we say could be taken as like even if we're trying to be very like humble and hey we're just you know just doing stuff it could be like we have like power in the system right that we have a wake emotionally as we relate with people and so how do we invite people into things very carefully to make sure that they know they have freedom to tell us no yeah. right when lots of people have experiences in religious systems where you don't tell the pastor no or they're gonna get mad at you how do we do that? And it's actually our responsibility that the more power we have in a system, we need to think about our impact. Yeah. And like, are we, are we respecting people's boundaries? And then on the other hand, if you have less power in a system, to, to be aware that, yeah, it, there is a reality that people around you, there's this, this old saying, um, the only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones who are benefiting from you having none. Yeah. You will get pushback, potentially from the people in power. They didn't even know. They were just used to it. They weren't even aware, you know, of the ways that they were um, imposing on you with their expectations. And so it takes some extra energy emotionally to set your boundary, experience the pushback, and hope that you can, you know, that if in a good and a healthy relationship, we can move to the other side, we can get through it. But just because you get pushback doesn't mean you're doing something wrong, right? Just because you get, a lot of times the pushback means you're moving in a healthier direction. Yeah, 
Amazing. Yeah. Brenna actually shared that quote with me uh, a day during a day where I was really, really exhausted and super fatigued. Uh, sleep deprivation is real for those with children or without. It's just a total thing. <laughs> and I was really sleep deprived and like mentally not doing well. And she shared that quote with me. And I had a family dinner that night that I was, um, I always show up for everything with my family. I pride myself in being someone that shows up for the better or worse. <laughs> and I had to cancel. And the reaction was really um, stiff back, like, you're not coming and um yeah and i was like oh and an apology was made it was always well but just that sometimes when we set these boundaries those that benefit from us not having those boundaries really don't like that right mm -hmm. so we have to pay attention and the invitation is for us if for all of us that are growing and setting our own boundaries is to is to keep growing and our own ability to navigate the pushback, right? So when, when I set a boundary, if someone pushes back, that doesn't mean that I crumble. No, nor does it mean that I get defensive. It's having this nuanced approach, it's called differentiation, being able to differentiate from the situation. I'm okay, the system doesn't love this right now, <laughs> right? Uh, the system doesn't love that I'm not showing up. You have inconvenienced the system. I have inconvenienced the system to prioritize myself. I'm not showing up to something, the system, or my mom, who I love so much, <laughs> and she would be fine with me saying this, she's a wonderful human, or my mom doesn't like that I've inconvenienced the system, and, um, I can either be really apologetic and be overtired and mentally not doing well and go, okay, 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 I'll, I'll show up, I'll show up. Or I can be super defensive and react, right? And get really upset. But there's something that's, that can happen right in between there. And this is all of us trying to build our capacity to advocate for ourselves and to mm -hmm. access our own needs. It's going, no, actually like, okay, I see that this person's not having that ideal reaction for me. I'm feeling pretty guilty, but I, I need to trust myself, and I'm gonna be a better person on the other side of this. And this is happening for all of us at different levels, right? Like my example with my mom is pretty low stakes. And I think all of us have different levels at which this is happening, but there's, there's something that's important to notice that when we are trying to create boundaries, systems react. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling your system react, find grounding like remember these words of jesus that the sabbath is for you mm -hmm. and that there's moments you need to advocate for yourself and then what breno was bringing up earlier right is there's also moments we need to cultivate areas where people feel like they can advocate mm -hmm. for themselves mm -hmm. yeah yeah well or even if it's okay if i like yeah. even extend what happened next in your story was your mom like realizing later yes. right the system came back and apologized. Absolutely. Of saying like, like in that relationship, let's say the person who is getting more sleep has more power. Yeah. So that would be your mom. Um, right. And, and then yeah. she kind of came back and said like, oh, I could have loved you better in this situation by acknowledging yeah. that you needed sleep. I could have acknowledged this need that you had for rest and wholeness. And that this didn't mean that you don't love me. This yeah. didn't mean, and that is exactly what she did later, yeah. right? Does it happen in every situation? No, but what a great example of a healthy kind of system reset. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That you you gave her the gift yeah. of 
experiencing that. <laughs> I mean, it didn't feel like a gift right in the moment. Yeah. Right? But you, your relationship, the system was healthier at yeah. the end of that interaction. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, and I probably have learned it most from her because she is someone that's like at eight o'clock, her, she's done. She's done for the day or she, mm -hmm. she's someone that has Sabbath and really respects boundaries. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was a really sweet, yeah, example of just like being in process with, with one another. So we are ready. Yes. We've talked enough. And we want to invite a friend. Yes. To share we their We have story. our dear friend, Seleni, that's going to come up and share. Yay. <laughs> Okay, a lot of you know Selenny. Selenny's the best. One she of my the first best. people that I met at City Church. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, so thank you for sharing this morning. We are so grateful for you. And I'll have you just like step up a little more. Yes, wonderful. So Zoom folks can see you. All the you. nice people at home can see you better yeah. now. Okay, so we're talking about rest. What does rest mean to you, Selenny? Um, well... Rest is a new word for me. I know it sounds dumb, but growing up in a culture in a family of immigrants, it's hard to just rest. It's not something that that is free for us. Even in a regular job, we're afraid to take a lunch break because we might get fired or something. Or in we might be looked upon as being weak or lazy if we ask for a break or yeah. say we need to rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not a easy word for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you shared also with me that, yeah, you, you shared also like your role as a mom. Yes. Um, I'm a single mother of two girls. And I don't know, for some reason, when I became a single mom, it's like there's a hidden rule somewhere that says single moms do not take breaks. Yeah. There's no break for moms in general, but for a single mom, it's, it's double the work. Yeah. So it's hard to take a break. It, it never ends. Either I'm working or taking care of my kids. There's no days off. There's yeah. no Sabbath for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hearing some reactions too. That's true. I, I, I think it's resonating with certain, um, certain people here. Yeah, so what this summer... What have you been learning about rest? And then if you could specifically share about, um, yeah, your time in the sequoias with your family. Um, well, this summer, my daughter, Isabella, she's 12. She asked to go to Sequoia National Park. And it's like, uh, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that she asked for and I don't know, it's like, okay, let's try this. And here we go off to nature into the wilderness yeah um, and what did you say at kids camp the kids were saying about you oh um i was one of the group leaders and i kept telling the kids i'm allergic to exercise so i don't participate <laughs> and it's funny because they remembered like bill asked can you help the kids with this and they're like no miss elena is allergic to exercise <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant i love that so, and we went off to Sequoia, and it was a very wonderful, magical time with my daughter. And even though I almost died twice hiking, because you're allergic, yes. yeah, allergic. I'm allergic to all of that. I don't know. It it almost feel like I had like a like magical spiritual experience where there was a moment. We were only there for one day, um, but I felt like I don't know. Something came over me. 
and I started crying, the crying where you're like, <laughs> and I didn't know what it was. It took me a while to realize that I was resting mm. and that's not something that my body recognized. And it was, it was magical, it was wonderful, but at the same time, it's like, this is so dumb. I'm 41 years old and I finally know what it's like to rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just made me think of everything that I've been through since my childhood growing up to being a mom that I have to tell myself, like, you need a break. You're allowed to take a break. Yeah. It's it's free for you to take it. Yeah. Giving myself permission to rest. Yeah. So yeah. That's what happened this summer out in Sequoia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And oh yeah. And I did, we'll just chat a little bit longer, but I love the amens and the clapping. It's so wonderful. Um, Thank you. And I love the phrase that you shared with me. You're like, rest and trips. That's just a white people thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mexicans don't do that. Yeah. Immigrants don't. Yeah. But there's, and so for you, there's like a reclaiming, right? Yes. And I know it's it's been an ongoing process of learning to give myself a break, to give myself permission to take that break. Like before, I would never go on to a lunch without my children. I would feel guilty. Yeah. I don't know if it's a mom thing or a Mexican thing. Um, and I couldn't. And just in the past couple of years, like when COVID started, it was sad. A lot of us lost a lot of loved ones. But for me, it was the first time I had a place of my own. Mm. And we moved into our cottage. And I was able to kick off my shoes and lay on my couch and just lay there because yeah. it was quarantine, you're not supposed to be outside. But for me, it was my safe space, my resting time. Yeah. And that's how I took it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Is there any other final thoughts of like what you've learned about yourself, God, or your family in this process of, of yeah? Um, I don't know. I, I'm always learning and I love to learn from everyone and life and God. And I finally took it like, well, if Jesus could take breaks, so can I, so. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Soledad. If Jesus can take breaks, so can I. That's a good word. So, so good. Um, yeah, I loved that rest and vacations are a white people thing. Uh, it was only in like the last month or so that I realized like at the beginning of our marriage, I was really freaking my Latino husband out by how regularly I took naps. Um, <laughs> what is going on here? Um, yeah, what if we did? I mean, it's true, right? It's a white people thing. It's a powerful people thing. What if part of our job as a community is to say, this gets to be a human thing. Rest and renewal. It's a human thing. And we can help each other in that. I don't know what that looks like exactly for you here this morning. I mean, I, I think whenever we're having these community conversations, it's amazing. You know, because afterwards, like I'll have 10 different conversations and all of you heard different things. God's cool that way. I don't know what it looks like you. But I have a suspicion that it's going to take practice. Whether you resonate more with the in and the powerful or the out and the disempowered, that it's going to take practice. That for those of us who have more power, that we're going to have to practice 
being aware of our need, not just for ourselves, but because if we don't, we're going to keep driving the people around us, right? Because if we're constantly telling our own souls more, 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 produce, produce, then we treat our workers that way, right? We treat our kids that way. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a constant ripple effect. And so that anytime we're thinking like, man, I need rest, that we might also think, and who do I also need to give rest to? Who have I been preventing from resting? Are my workers paid fair wages? Do I give them vacation? Do I give them maternity leave? Whatever it is, right? Like, am I treating the people around me as fully human and worthy? That's actually what Sabbath is a revolutionary reminder of. Mm. And that if we have been in the position of the out, to know that, yeah, the system is going to push back. The system is going to tell us that's not for us. But if Jesus rested, you can too. Jesus said so. Okay? All right. Our friend David is going to come up and pray for us now. David, thank you.